Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to be with you here this morning. And again, welcome to our campuses joining us in Appleton and Stevens Point. Good morning to all you guys and all the people who watch us all over northeastern and central Wisconsin, as well as the people who watch us all over the world. I enjoy going online and seeing where people are from. It's fascinating, all the countries uh, that uh, people are saying hi to us from. And I'm saying hi to Stacy, who's far, far away from us. Glad that you're all here with us. And uh, I want to uh, take a look this morning at Matthew, the 21st chapter. Um, this today is Palm Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate or remember the day that Jesus rode triumphantly into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Let's take a look at the account. It says, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now that would make me a little nervous. You're a horse thief <laughs> or a donkey thief at this point. Just go and just take it. But you're not supposed to do those kinds of things, right? But uh, Jesus says, if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. So we don't know the backstory. For all we know, this guy had a vision of an angel or a dream or something. Or they said, some guys are coming for your donkeys. And when they come and get them, if they say the Lord needs them, let them have them. And that's exactly what happens. And they said, okay, you can take them. So this took place to fulfill what was spoken to the prophet. Now, this is a long time, probably hundreds of years, if I got my math right. I don't know, but pretty close in there. Where uh, it was prophesied before Jesus came that the Messiah would come riding on a donkey. And then they quote, uh, Matthew quotes from the prophet. It says, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey. And on a colt, the foal. Of a donkey. So they knew this uh, portion of scripture. And the religious leaders of the day, now they hated Jesus intensely. They did not believe him to be the Messiah. But I promise you, when he came riding in on a donkey that day, the symbolism was not lost on them. This was a big deal. And it probably infuriated them all the more. But they thought he was just, you know, uh, duplicating the prophecy when in fact he was fulfilling the prophecy as the true Messiah. So anyway, the disciples went and did as Jesus instructed, grabbed, <laughs> grabbed these two animals and took them back. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. Now a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches 
from the trees. We're assuming palm trees. That's why we call it Palm Sunday, and that's why we have palms in our services at the end of the services today to remember this account. So they took those and uh, spread them on the road before Jesus. And the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. They are all shouting. It's a big ruckus. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Again, fulfilling that very prophecy that we just read. Again, they knew about the prophecy. I'm sure they dismissed it. But it was a powerful moment as Jesus came in. Now, what I'd like to do this morning, I know we're here to reflect on that, but I just want to back up a little bit to the event that happens just before this. All right? We read about it in John, the 11th chapter. It says, now there was a man named Lazarus who was sick. I hate getting sick. Don't you hate getting sick? We were just in Africa, and we all had the flu and it was just awful. So we went halfway around the world and saw and did nothing because we were also puking sick for the whole trip. It was miserable. People say, you look like you got tan. I got tan when I was Israel. <laughs> In Africa, I was inside. So anyway, but uh, it, it was awful. And poor Lazarus at this moment is sick. Now he's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha, who is Mary. Well, he lets us in on it. He says, this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. I don't know if you remember that event. Jesus is sitting down, and this lady comes in and pours this expensive perfume and wipes it with her hair, which had a really smell intense. But uh, anyway, so that was, this is that, who that Mary is. She has a sister named Martha and her brother Lazarus. Now, they were all friends after this. Jesus was very close friends of this family. Lazarus is sick. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So, well, I thought Jesus loved everybody. Well, it's just that's the terminology, the phraseology of the day. They didn't say, hey, your buddy is sick, your friend is sick. Hey, the guy that you love is sick. So this is a close friend of Jesus and warns them that they're sick. Now, when Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for, the, for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, here's the interesting about, thing about this. When Jesus hears this, Lazarus is already dead. Now, they sent these guys, and it wasn't like texting, you know, or a FedEx package. I mean, they all had to walk. Now, I was just in Israel uh, it's really a fascinating experience. The country is stunningly small. You can get up in the morning and jog across the country and come back home again. <laughs> it's, it's a time, you know, for everybody and all the Arabs, everybody's all fighting over that little piece of land. It is stunning how tiny it is. And, uh, so, and they got from place to place just walking. And uh, so they sent these people to tell him. So Lazarus is sick. By the time they get there, they don't even know it. Lazarus is kicked off. Jesus knows it. And he makes this statement, this sickness will not end in death. 
That's stunning. He's already dead. How can it not end in death? You know, when you are faced with something really awful in your life, it feels very permanent. If you've suffered loss of a loved one, if you, your trust has been violated by a spouse, someone that you've given your heart to and they're unfaithful to you after 10, 20, 30 years when something goes really badly in your life and you crash and burn, if there's one thing about that human state is it feels permanent. It feels like it will never change. Those of you who've been through it know what I'm talking about. And those of you who are currently going through it, listening to me all over the world right now, you know what I'm talking about. You're in it right now and you feel this will never change. This is permanent. This is it. This is your version of death, if you will. But Jesus says, this shall not stand. It will not end this way. It's going to change. Why? Because we know that all things are possible through God. Well, after he had said this, he went on to tell his disciples, hey guys, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. And the disciples said, well, look, if he's sleeping, <laughs> he'll get better. <laughs> Leave him alone. You know, that's one of the things that uh, when you're really sick and you can fall asleep, it's a wonderful thing. You know, when we were in Africa, so sick, uh, of course, we were drugged out of our minds, but <laughs> fall asleep. Bleh, you know, it feels good because it's just hurrying the process. So they're saying, listen, if he's falling asleep now, the fever's broken, whatever, let him be. He'll be just fine. Of course, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. Do you know why? Because if he'd have been there, he'd have healed him. He wouldn't have let him suffer. And he said, I'm glad I wasn't there. So that you can believe. Now let's go to him. And then Thomas, also known as Didymus, he's a real party animal. He says to the rest of them, well, let's also go along that we can also die with him. Wait a minute, nobody's talking about dying here. It's just, you know, he's pretty negative. See, first of all, you know, it's easy to make fun of the disciples. Because they seem dumb as bricks. Because they just miss stuff, you know, just right over their head. But you have to remember at the time, they're following Jesus for three years. They don't know what he's talking about the majority of the time. They are clueless. Now, it's easy for us to pick up, but this, they don't know. They didn't have the benefit that we have. This guy's talking, and he's talking in parables, stories. And, you know, we talk about these cool stories, but at the time, they didn't know what the heck he's talking about. Every once in a while, they would, you know, go to him and say, uh, what was that? <laughs> and he would explain the parable to him. And at times, Jesus got a little irritated with him. You know, the Bible actually says they got to the point where they were afraid to ask him any questions. <laughs> Seriously. Now, stop and think, how intense would you have to be before people were afraid to talk to you. This is how people were. His disciples with Jesus. Jesus was very compassionate, loving and stuff, but he was no girly man. And he wasn't just a hippie going around, hey, I love everybody. I mean, he was in people's faces. And they got to the point, they didn't want to ask him questions. You ask him, I ain't asking him nothing, man. He yelled at me the last time I asked him. 
So, they, you know, they get to the point. They don't know what he's talking about. They never know what he's talking about. He said, Lazarus is sleeping. Oh, actually, he's dead. Oh, how, you know, how do you follow the bouncing ball? No, 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 no. They don't know what he's talking about. And, and then people tend to hear only what they want to hear. Trust me, in this business, I guarantee to you, most of you only hear what you want to hear. It's amazing how many times I will preach a sermon and someone will come up to me and, man, you said such and such. And I go, I did? You know, yeah, you said that one. You know, well, listen to the whole thing. Unplug your ears. If there's one thing, especially about evangelical Christians, which we fall in that category, but we're far enough from the Bible belt, we're not, you know, crazy. So anyway, uh, but boy, in evangelical Bible belt Christianity, you know what these guys do? They just sit there and wait for the pastor to say one wrong thing. Just like, you know, you know like a Venus flytrap. And they eat him alive, you know. Uh, those kind of people usually don't stick around here because I say wrong things all the time. And uh, you, you've gotten used to it. <laughs> Hard to imagine I'd say something inappropriate from the pulpit. Can't imagine, you know. And the people who hear, they go, ah, and they leave, and the rest of us just sit and laugh. All right, so anyway. So all they heard was Jesus said something about being dead. That's all they heard. Come on, guys, dead, come on, let's go. And Thomas said, okay, let's go die. Mr. Positive going along. So when they get there, and on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, here's what's significant about this. Because we say, well, Jesus raised people from the dead before. Well, yeah, but to quote the princess bride, they were just mostly dead. You know what I'm saying? Because they hadn't been dead very long. And then he comes and prays for them. I've used this example many times just to point out the way we think. I guarantee to you, if Pastor Joe flopped on the floor, dead as a doorknob, and you doctors and nurses came over and said, man, he's dead. He is absolutely dead. And I came over and prayed for him, and he sat up. You know, 98% of you would all go, oh, he just had gas. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, he must have just fainted. You know, that's what you think, right? In fact, I'd be the one praying for him, and, and that's what I think. Oh, he was a... Must not have been really dead. You know what I'm saying? It's just the human condition, doubt, and stuff like that. So, so, you know, he prayed for people that had died, but they don't, you know, who knows if they were really dead. I mean, people, you know how people are. But when you're dead for, you know, several days, that's kind of a pattern. <laughs> so he's dead for, well, even more than the four days, because I don't know how long before they put him in the grave, you know. They had to hurry up because they didn't have what we have today, but, you know, maybe five, six days. So he's in the tomb now for four days by the time Jesus shows up. Why? Because they had to walk from place to place. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. Where is he headed for? He's headed for Jerusalem. We're about to, you know, have him ride triumphantly into the city on the donkey. So he's only two miles from Jerusalem. Some of the Jews from around there had heard about uh, the loss of the brother that came to Mary Martha to comfort him and uh, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Why did Mary stay home? Mary is ticked. Where were you? Where were you? You're healing people all the time. We call for you. Why didn't you come? So she's sulking. Martha comes, and even Martha says, the first thing she says is, she's, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother 
will rise again. Of course, she assumes the last resurrection. That's what I would assume, right? As we say at every funeral, they're going to rise again. And uh, she says, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, hey, I am the resurrection. Powerful words. I am the resurrection everybody's going to experience someday. And I am the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Speaking, of course, of eternal life. Do you believe this? See, he's trying to get Martha to trust him. You see, when loss occurs, when betrayal is stabbed into your heart, when you fail miserably, you do something really stupid, something you said or wish you hadn't done, man, one of the first things to go is trust. Because it feels so permanent. You know, the day that my Debbie died back in December, a lot of prayers went unanswered that day. You know, what happened? Why didn't those prayers get answered? Someone you gave your heart to and trusted them and they'd betray you and stab you. And Whoa, first thing to go is trust. You make some investments and they fail. First thing to go is trust. I always hear people, you know, they lost $300 somewhere in a stock. Like, really? And they're devastated for life. Right? You see these people, right? I'm never going to invest again. I ain't never going to stick it in my pillow. You know, just freak out. Trust goes. Trust goes. It feels permanent. And you don't feel like trusting. And Jesus is trying to reach her and say, hey, trust me. So anyway, Mary finally gets in on the action. She reaches a place where Jesus was and saw him, fell at his feet. And right away, Lord, if you'd had been here, where were you? Man, doesn't that feel like something when bad stuff happens? You lose someone you love, you care for God, where were you? Someone rips your heart out, God, why'd you let that happen? Though God really had nothing to do with it, you still ask the question, God, where were you? When you fail, you make a mistake, you do something stupid. God, where were you during all of this? If you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus saw her crying. All the Jews that come along with her were also crying. He's deeply moved in his spirit and trouble. He said, where'd you lay him? He said, come and see. And then he starts crying. Shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. Why is he crying? He's not supposed to cry. <laughs> He's in charge. Right? I mean, it's a funny thing. I don't know. It's just, it shows just the human side of Jesus. He's crying. Everybody's crying. You know, he's pretty soon he's crying. I'd start crying. Why is everybody crying? I don't even know. I just showed up five minutes ago, you know. I mean, it's like, what's with the crying? And the Jews, some of them looks at, wow, he really loved that guy. And others, some pinheads, critical people, can't imagine that would ever happen. Said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Once more, Jesus, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. I think it's probably an understatement. I think they're probably more than just laid, probably sealed. Remember, they sealed Jesus' tomb uh, because, you know, 
dead people kind of reek after a while. So they, you know, seal it up and stuff. And so it's been sitting there for four days. And uh, Jesus says, take away the stone. And Martha says, Lord, by this time, there is a bad odor. <laughs> he reeketh, O oh Lord. <laughs> for he's been in there for four days. And Jesus, again, trying to get her, just trust me. Didn't I tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, how much she believed, I mean, I really, <laughs> who would believe what is about to happen? So they took away the stone, whoever those poor slobs were. <laughs> oh, man. And then Jesus looked up, talks to God. He says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Now you have to imagine being there at this moment. Jesus is talking. Everyone is focused on him. Jesus is quite the rock star in his day. I mean, people everywhere. And he's talking about this, that, and the other. And he says, da, 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 da. And then he says, Lazarus, come out. And everybody goes, right? Your attention shifts. Now, the Bible doesn't say how quickly he came out. Now, assuming that he immediately regained consciousness as soon as Jesus said that, you have to amuse, uh, imagine that some time passed. First of all, he wakes up and he's wrapped in grave clothes and he's going, <laughs> what am I doing here? <laughs> and then he's got to work his way off <laughs> the slab that he's laying on. And then he's got to hop his way out to the front door. Now, remember, he's wrapped up. He looks like the mummy. Okay. It's not like he comes walking out. Hey, guys, what's up? You know, he's hopping. I mean, and all of a sudden, this wrapped up guy shows up at the door. And everybody goes, I'd have died right there, man. Seriously. I'd have kicked off. That would have been the end for me. Somebody stick me in the hole because I'm, I'm gone. Can you imagine? How do you not have a heart attack? Lazarus, come out. What is he talking about? All of a sudden, this guy comes hopping out. He's been there for four days. <laughs> now, these things generally do not happen. I have never been officiating a funeral. And the guy in the box starts going. <laughs> Pastor dies, sudden death, you know. So he comes hopping out. His hands, his feet wrapped with strips of linen. <laughs> A cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take the grave clothes and let him go. Now, you have got to assume when this happens, this is arguably the greatest miracle Jesus ever did. I know he walked on water and fed a bunch of people and healed people. But man, when you've been in the grave for four days 
and you come hopping out. This is impressive. You would think at this point, everybody believes, right? You know, sometimes people think, you know, why doesn't God show up more dramatically? Why doesn't he, you know, do something really cool so everybody can see it? Then everybody would believe, you know, like when Aaron Rodgers went down in the Packer game with a broken collarbone, all of a sudden Jesus comes down, puts his collarbone back together. That would be impressive. All right. Now, you would think if that happened, churches next Sunday morning would be packed. But they wouldn't be. They'd just be drinking more beer. That was the coolest thing I ever saw. <laughs> I'm going to be pointing this out when we pick up again in the series of significant events of the Old Testament. We left off at Moses. I'm talking about Moses' struggles. Well, we're about to see Moses do some of the coolest things anybody has ever seen. You would think everybody would believe, but they didn't. Even the Israelites, whom all those miracles were done for, didn't believe. Why is that? Man, Jesus could have flown into the stadium that day and people still would not have believed. Because faith isn't a result of seeing here. Faith is the result of seeing here. See, when you can really see in your heart... That's where faith comes from. In fact, you can see here, and if your heart's in a bad place, you won't even believe what you see. See, seeing big miracles for people won't change anybody's mind. I'll get into this when we get back. Some of the biblical examples of this are stunning. There are some yet to happen in the book of Revelation. Unbelievable miracles that the whole world is going to see, and nobody's going to believe it. Because their hearts are hard. You would think after this miracle, the Pharisees and all the religious leaders have got to say, all right, come on. He's got to be the Messiah, right? Who can do this? But look what we read in verse 53. All the religious leaders get together and they say, said, so from that day on, they plotted to take his life. Their answer to that miracle is, we have to kill him. And it also says they plotted to kill Lazarus as well so that nobody could see the evidence of this miracle. Well, what kind of place do you got to be in and that, that is your response to events like this? And sure enough, they set out and not a week will go by before they kill him. We'll be reflecting on that on this Friday, Good Friday. Just a handful of days they're going to take him. They're going to beat him senseless, turn him over to the authorities, trumped up charges, and nail him to a cross. And they're going to celebrate. We finally got him. We finally got him. Even the devils celebrated when Jesus was crucified. You know, the Bible says, if Satan would have known what was about to happen as a result of that crucifixion, he would have never inspired the crucifixion. Talk about making a mistake. Because <laughs> as soon as Jesus was crucified on Sunday morning, boom, he wakes up, comes out of that tomb, and we're all sitting here 2,000 years later still celebrating this and proclaiming the gospel of Christ and the love of God 
If he'd have known what would have happened, he would have left him alone. He didn't know. They thought this was a great victory. Friday, we'll have a somber service, one o'clock. It's one of my favorite services of the year, our Good Friday service, where we just reflect on what happened those 2,000 years ago on that day. And then Sunday morning, a week from today, woohoo! <laughs> game changes dramatically. When, see, even death cannot hold him back. So it doesn't really matter whatever circumstance you're going through. I mean, it matters to you, I'm sure, but no matter how permanent your situation feels, no matter how great and painful the loss you've experienced, no matter how damaging to your heart and to your self-esteem the betrayal you have had has pierced your soul, no matter how permanent it feels, I got good news for you. This shall not stand. It will not stay this way. If you'll trust in him, why? Because all things are possible to him who believes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. Lord, I pray for the people listening to me here in Green Bay and at our campuses in Appleton and Stevens Point, all the people watching us on television right now and all over the world via the internet. A lot of people, Lord, and undoubtedly there are people who are in a really bad place right now. They've experienced great loss. They've been deeply wounded because of betrayal. They find themselves in a mess because of some stupid mistake or wrong direction they took. And they are overwhelmed. They feel hopeless. They're in pain. And most of all, Lord, they feel that what they are sitting in right now is permanent. I thank you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would fill their hearts with faith. Fill their hearts with hope. Because you're a God who none of that stuff is permanent. Even death itself. And you can turn their situation around. Your scriptures tell us that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Lord, morning probably seems like a million miles away to the people I'm talking about right now, but Lord, let them know it's coming. That they can trust in you. Keep hope. Don't let go. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.